Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. Well, it's the first week of European action and we can dip right in because it's been an excellent weekend for some, and more well, midweek, sorry, for some, um, and not a great midweek for others. But who impressed and who depressed? Let's have a look in the latest news. On Tuesday, Paris Saint-Germain ended up losing 3-2 at Anfield to Liverpool, with Roberto Firmino scoring in the final moments to take a 3-2 victory. Kylian Mbappe and Thomas Mounier helped them come from two goals down to beat level on 83 minutes, but they left England without 30 points. Probably just the right result. Elsewhere on Tuesday, Monaco also suffered defeat in their first Champions League game at home to Atletico Madrid. Samuel Grancier put the side ahead, but Diego Costa and Jose Jimenez helped the Spanish side to a victory at the Stade Louis Deux. On Wednesday night, the surprise of the tournament so far, even though we're only a couple of games in, is from Lyon, who headed to Manchester City and took a strong victory. Maxwell Corne and Nabil Fakir scored in the first half, with Bernardo Silva replying for the hosts. But it wasn't enough, and Legon took the three points back to France. On Thursday night's football, tonight's football at least, in the Europa League, Marseille ended up losing 2-1 to Eintracht Frankfurt. Despite going ahead early on through Lucas Acampos, Lucas Toro and Luka Jovic's goals helped the German side win, despite going down to 10 men after 59 minutes, with Jetro Willems seeing a red card. Rennes managed the victory on their first European night for a little while at least, with a 2-1 victory over Jablonek. Ismail Assar scored an excellent goal, and that man, Hatton Ben Arthur, stepped up in the final moments to take a 2-1 victory from the spot. In the later games, Bordeaux ended up losing in their away trip to Slavia Prague with Yamara... I'm not even going to try and pronounce that surname, looking at it again, <laughs> scoring for the hosts as Bordeaux ended up empty-handed and that's all for your news but for the latest head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on twitter at gffn we start this week in the champions league to begin with with our midweek roundup and rich we're going to start with the positive result for france at least and that's the incredible result for leon against Manchester City. Not many saw this coming, especially some of our panellists on Monday night, including ourselves, really. Um, given Leon's form, we was there any expectation that this would happen? And, and especially so convincingly, especially in that first half? Uh, to be honest, no. I, I was quite vocal in that I feared the worst for Leon. Um, I, I saw it, it was merely a case of, I think, of how many... Man City were going to score, and if they at some point they were going to become tired of scoring, it felt. Um, you know, the form book was heavily in Man City's favour. He's not, not in the best, best of form domestically, still yet to hit their stride. Um, then the team was announced, um, and there were a couple of surprises. There was no Luca Tussar, perhaps Shake was, uh, was, was played instead. Um, uh, Bertrand Traore um, was on the bench. Um, with Maxwell Cornet coming in for him, and you just thought this, this isn't this isn't going to look great. This could be quite ugly. Um, but yeah, from from pretty much kickoff, 
you suddenly thought, actually, you know what? This is a Leon side that looked incredibly determined, and and to have put in the performance that they did was was fantastic. Yeah, and a lot of the players impressed. I think. I think many people are starting to see some of the names that maybe they missed out on. Tangi and Dumbele, um really was terrific, and if he wasn't uh, a quiet under the radar player at the moment he certainly isn't now uh, and same for Nabo Fakir who I thought had an excellent performance I know a lot of Liverpool fans will be a little bit disappointed to see how well he ended up doing in a Leon shirt rather at Manchester City rather than in a Liverpool shirt but more to this Rich not just the performance and the res- and the, the scoreline and the result it's because it's so unexpected, it gives them a real boost in this group, especially with the other two drawing in their game, 2-2. Uh, it gives them a platform now, an unexpected result, and um, a couple of games now against the other teams to try and really establish themselves as potential qualifiers, which, uh, while we weren't saying they weren't out of the woods, it, it makes this result makes it a lot easier job than it probably should have been. Well, exactly. I mean, this was the toughest game in the group. Um, and I'd imagine quite a number of Leon players, perhaps Genesio himself, had, had almost perhaps written this off as, well, okay, let's just get this behind us and move on to move on to the next game, and, and yeah, that's going to be eminently more winnable. So to have gone to Manchester to put in the performance that they did for a number of those players, I think that that perhaps had started the season a little slow. I thought in Dombele, I thought our I thought to an extent Fekir, although he's obviously not played as much, I thought they'd had quite slow starts. I think we were expecting a little bit more from them um, early season, considering last season's form. Um, this was the game that reignited everything, I think, for, for, for Leon, and certainly those players who will be vital to, to any success that Leon achieved this season. Um, so, yeah, to have come away then from the hardest game of the group with a win, it's your opening game. You've now got, you know, very winnable games coming up. It's it's a, it's a fantastic performance, fantastic result. And it leaves Leon arguably as, you know, I mean, they've set themselves a precedent, I suppose, because if you can go to to, to the uh, the Etihad and, and win there, you know, you're going to be expected to be, you know, win home and away against Shakhtar, win home and away against Hoffenheim, maybe. But all of a sudden, it, it now starts to think, well, actually, you know what, could they... Could they not only qualify, but could they actually even win this group? Because it's, uh, you know, it's it's set a it's set a real, real solid start. I think for you know what what's to come. Absolutely, I mean, there's a lot of football yet to be played, really, and maybe we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But um, at the same time, they've they've got to take Man City back home, and you you would hope that Leon would be even stronger at home than they are away from home. You would think, at least, anyway. But with games against Shakhtar and and, uh, and uh, oh, I can't remember the third team now. Hoffenheim. To... Yes, of course, Hoffenheim. Yeah, because Hoffenheim are playing City next. So Shakhtar next up for Leon at home. If they can get a result there, straight away they've got the double header against Hoffenheim then. And then if you're thinking nine points in the Champions League group or even eight points at that point, if they can get round there to when they have to face City again, they could already be almost over the line before they have to play the Sky Blues again. And that will make a, a massive difference to their Champions League prospects. And that's a tremendous news for them, at least. Uh, on to more disappointing news, really, on all honesty. Um, PSG on, on Tuesday night, 
rich it was a, a funny old game it they were disjointed there was a, a lot of lack of, of quality in the middle of the park the attacking players were very much isolated but also were were hounded for not helping out in a defensive prospects as well uh, this just felt like a very um this well the best way to describe this is is this was not the paris Saint-Germain side we were hoping to see in the champions league this season uh, it wasn't um to an extent though it's it it, it, it almost is when you you know we've you know if we look at transfers i mean that's that's been the biggest problem with this psg team probably for the last two seasons is that they just haven't recruited well um you know you can go on and on about how you know wonderful neymar and mbappe are they weren't essential signings um but they went ahead and they did it and they brought them in and great they had a you know they both had stellar seasons last season We've still not got a defensive midfielder at Paris. You know, we're still relying on either, you know, an ageing, ageing Lasana Diara, or we're relying on trying to force Rabio to play in there when he doesn't want to, trying to force Verratti playing there when he doesn't want to, or as we saw then on Tuesday night, putting a player who doesn't normally play there in Marquinhos. You know, we saw it last season with Lacelso. It's it's bordering criminal that we are still seeing these problems from PSG, that that these positions, which everybody, everybody has seen and can clearly identify are problem areas that still haven't been resolved, is 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 absolutely ridiculous. And it's 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 an issue I think you you have to pin the blame pretty much from top to bottom in the hierarchy because they'll all have you know a, a, a contribution and obviously differing Differing levels of authority within that chain, but they've all—they'll all have an opportunity to say, "These are, you know, these are the areas I want to recruit, or these are the players that we should be looking to bring in." We saw it at left back; they've been desperate for a left back. They obviously sold Yuri Bashiche in the summer. It felt almost a panic signing in in Juan Bernat came in, who's not played a great deal of football, and and then lo and behold, Tuesday night was horribly exposed, conceded a silly penalty. Um, and and yeah, just just didn't look the quality fullback that PSG needed. Um, you know, if they're to go on and get Champions League glory, which is their target, let's not kid anyone. That's their target. That they're not going to do it unless they are looking at their squad as a whole, and and trying to build a team rather than a collection of names of of glamour players um, who may get the headlines, but won't necessarily get the results so it's you know hopefully this early on in the Tuchel era it's the necessary wake-up call throughout the the structure of the club um the fallout from that result seems to be that a lot of this is now probably rightfully so is being pinned to um Antero Henrique the the sporting director who's obviously you know the the, the main man for for transfers um but as I say, I don't think that means other people can can get off scot-free. But Henrique looks like he's going to become a scapegoat now. How long that, that lasts, I don't know. But there were huge, huge problems that we saw with that PSG team on Tuesday night. And unless they unless they actually look at them and really look to fix them, then I, I just don't see them winning the Champions League. 
Yeah, and like you say, that that's their main goal, and they just looked so disjointed. Really, the the midfield was, was awful. I can't believe they've not tried to put anyone else in there, and and the fact that they're having to resort to Marquinhos, it feels like Thomas Tuchel is, is trying to. Uh, unfortunately shoehorning someone I don't want to say I'm pinning the blame on him it's like you say it's the recruitment drive and and trying other players out Neymar struggled he didn't really get into the game and and the fact that okay it it becomes that question doesn't it that you could see in the second half they made a little tactical switch they they moved Cavani out wide instead of Mbappe just to give someone who who may work a little bit further backwards than the other ones really to to try and give extra cover on one side at least anyway and trust the the Uruguayan to be the man to sacrifice himself and then he was taken off for Chupamoting as well which didn't really do anything on either side of the ball really I thought Draxler was okay when he came on but maybe a little bit too late really they, they just really really struggled the the difficult they have in transition at the moment in, against the bigger teams will be a worry and the fact that they've struggled against the the likes of Neem and the likes of, of Gengon at times and then they've got play, well, they've got harder games certainly to come against the likes of Leon and Marseille later on and maybe even Monaco if they can get their act together but you, you you do really think after a performance like this, Rich, at least anyway, it's not the easiest group in the world. They'll be happy that, um, that okay, the game in Anfield, it's not always easy to go there. It's not a, an ideal scenario. And they'll be happy that Red Star and Napoli ended up sharing the spoils. So that gives them a, a little bit of an easier route against the Neapolitans, at least you would think. But at the same time, in any Champions League year, even though it has got stronger uh, than... than uh, we're thinking maybe even five years ago, really, the, the depth of in Europe. But at the same time, finishing second in a group, it, it's never ideal, is it? Um, it isn't. But we have we have seen recent seasons where there are those peculiar seasons where all the top teams seem to finish second. Um, I think was it it was it was last season actually, wasn't it? I think where PSG won their group, but were rewarded rewarded with with Real Madrid in. The, <laughs> In the uh, in, in the next round, I th- I think that was yes, anyway. it was, yeah. And it's it, but there the, you know we have those seasons, and you know even the even the you know the, the the big boys have a little falter here and there, but ultimately find the form when it matters when it comes to the knockouts. Um, I think perhaps one thing that has been forgotten, and this is perhaps an element slight praise, and perhaps the only praise you can put on PSG, is that no matter how badly they played Tuesday night. They were only seconds away from taking a point away from Anfield. Um, you know, we 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 yeah, they were absolutely battered. I thought for for you know ninety percent of the game, um, went two goals behind, yet fought back to bring it to two two, and yeah, were 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 seconds away from a, a, a you know would have been a very very un you know unjust point, but it was seconds away from a point. So there's maybe that element, that sort of it's difficult to say when they when they ultimately lost, but there was a bit of there was a bit of fight, a bit of grit to them to have at least fought back from that position despite playing so badly. Um they can't afford to do that. I don't think in any of their remaining games in the Champions League. They're now they're now playing catch up. Um, you know, Napoli, we all expected to go to, to Belgrade and get the points. Belgrade is not an easy place to go to. It's a they they create a very daunting atmosphere there. It's very difficult to go there and get points. 
So PSG have still got that trip to make. They've still got a trip to Naples to make. And then obviously all three teams back at uh, the Parc de Prince. So, you know, it's 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 really difficult, I think, from, from PSG, how they go forward from here. I think they have to look at the fact that they were so close to taking a point. Yes. But they need to work out a way of, of, of finding how that, that midfield links up with, with the attack and how defence midfield and, and attack can work together harmoniously because at the minute it's all too distinct. Um, you know, it became a bit of a joke during the the BT Sport commentary of of you know how how frustrating it was not to see Neymar backtrack and and Mbappe to a degree. Um, yeah, I'm half I'm half and half about this. Yes, it's frustrating and you want to see him because Cavani can do it, but simultaneously that's they've never done that. You know, Neymar has not been a backtracker. That's not what he's about. And if you sign him with a hope that he provides you some defensive cover down the left, then you've done your research wrong on the player. And that's the kind of player Mbappe's starting to become. I think is he's you know you buy him because he's this amazing attacker. You don't buy you don't buy him because they can offer you cover when you're on the defensive. They're not that kind of player. So I think it's up to Tuchel and and the guys above him to recognise, okay, so how do we set this team up? If we've got our two star players who aren't aren't defensive-minded or aren't willing to necessarily backtrack because it would inhibit their style of play, then there's ways that we can line up that can that can help that and that can that can cover that off. And having, you know, top quality fullbacks helps. I thought Thomas Mounier wasn't too bad. But as I say, Juan Bernat was was not a great move. At one point, you just thought, well, should Tuchel have gone with what was rumoured to almost have been his decision with Stanley and Soki? He thought, well, it can't have been any worse. Um, I think it's probably a blessing for Soki that he was probably saved from from that performance and that he, he can come in as a fresh face again and 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 you know should be an upgrade on, on Bernat in terms of performance. But it was very messy, very few positives to take from it. But let's not forget that that how no matter how bad it was, they were still very close to taking that point. Yeah, that's always the funny thing about the big sides, isn't it? Sometimes they can play really poorly and, and still almost um, make a result out of nowhere. On on to the final Champions League game, at least anyway, from this week, and that's Monaco's 2-1 defeat to, to Atletico Madrid. I, I think we expected a, a difficult game for them, but they started relatively well, although they faded in, in the second half, um, much like we've seen uh, Atletico sides in the past just sort of had a stranglehold on it really it never really looked like Monaco were going to get themselves back in the game but disappointing nonetheless really you want to be winning your home games in, in the Champions League especially in that tough group that they've got and with Dortmund winning as well away in Belgium it's not really helped them much but uh, it was hard to see anything but this result coming really Rich wasn't it we, Monaco have been pretty poor so far in the league and they're still sort of discovering exactly what they are at the moment under Jardim. Yeah, and it was also a slightly different shape as well um, on Tuesday night. It was sort of a, I suppose you'd, you'd call it a 4-5-1, um, which is, a, which is a, a, a formation we've not really seen a great deal from Monaco. Um, you know, they've, they've normally been a 4-4-2 a or a 4-3-3 kind of team. So it was a slightly different setup. They started really well. Um, you know, they got a, a, a relatively early goal through Samuel Grancy, who I thought actually played quite well 
when you consider where he's come from and and how little you know real top flight experience this was obviously his 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 debut in the competition um i thought he looked raw but still relatively accomplished at the same time um i thought jibril sidibe i thought he had a pretty decent game um obviously he's still sort of finding his feet after after some time off um but yeah i mean it was it they were never going to be favorites to win this game and ultimately atletico madrid just had that extra bit of quality that saw them um sort of ease away i suppose as the game went on um you know you just have to look at the players that they've got and 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 arguably man for man they are a better team um but you know i think there's 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 sort of certainly uh, elements of encouragement i think monaco from can take from that it wasn't a it wasn't a dismal performance i don't think it was a you know a truly bad performance because i don't think atletico madrid were overly um overly stellar themselves so i think there's definitely um positives more positives i think monaco can take from that than perhaps psg can take from their game um but you know, it's still it's still a little bit disappointing with with everything that Monaco have been over the last few seasons. You know, we, we'd like to see them um, be a little bit more competitive. So we'll, we'll have to see how the rest of the group goes. Again, they were opening up with a you know with a very very tricky game, um, and and hopefully then with a you know perhaps a couple of easier games to come. We'll we'll perhaps get a better feel of how Monaco are equipping themselves in this this tournament this season. Absolutely. I think that's one of the sort of blows you want to take to the chin, really, and, and move on and hope that um, games against Dortmund may be still a young side getting things together as well. And, and obviously, Bruges being a sort of weakest team of the group, although maybe a, a little bit of a disservice to them, but they would feel confident that maybe they can pick the points up around Atletico Madrid at least to um, try and get themselves through to the next round. Uh, on to Europa League matters then, Richard, and some cracking results in one place, but not in others again. Not the greatest uh, midweek for, for French teams, but let's start with your side, Ren, who managed to get a 2-1 victory over Jablonek. It, it was potentially a little bit tougher than we may have expected. A, a superb goal from Ishmael Asar, but it's, it's also nice to see the uh, the headliner getting the, grabbing all the headlines again um, at the very end of the game as well. Uh, it was. Um, I mean, Ren, Ren deserved the win. Um, they were they were dominant. They just, in, in sort of typical Ren fashion, just made very, very heavy going of it. Um, they, they, you know, they created the bulk of the chances. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that they deserved the win. The goal, the Ismail Asar goal, uh, it was one of those where you, you didn't quite, you thought that that's, something's happened to that shot. There's been a deflection or something. When you look it back, it, it's a phenomenal shot. He sort of comes, it comes in from the left. He tries to play a ball in. It comes back off a Jablonek defender. And he absolutely, I mean, you look at the technique he does. It's it's hit very hard, but it's still very controlled. And it absolutely flies into the top corner. It's an absolute rocket. Um, it's well worth going to see uh, and checking out a replay of it. It, it was without a doubt um, the goal of the night. Um, and really from that, Ren should have kicked on. Um, they, they had the chances, just failed to take them. Um, into the second half then, there was a, a silly free kick given away by, by Benjamin Andre just outside the area. 
Um, Brain goalkeeper Thomas Kubek um, setting up the wall. I mean, he only set two up in the wall, which, considering it was a it was a free kick within shooting distance, well within shooting distance. It seemed a small wall, um, and and the Yablonek player curled it round. And uh, yeah, you look back at it, Kubek should have done a lot, lot better, both in terms of his wall positioning, but also his movement as well. He just seemed to go in slow motion and he just seemed to just watch it in. It wasn't hit particularly hard. There wasn't too much curl on it. It was pretty easy to read, but he just completely missed it. Um, uh, it, it yeah, there was then a, a sort of 10-minute spell where you felt that Ren could really throw it away. Um, and then you sort of heard the buzz from the crowd when they could see that Ben Arthur was was going to come on. He came on, huge applause. Um you know, he got every time he got on the ball, there was a you know, there was a buzz around the stadium, um, and then sort of yeah, towards the end of the game, he he produced a couple of jinx plus players that sort of brought you back to oh yeah, that's the kind of player he can really be. Um, he broke into the the Yablonek box um, a couple of phases later, and 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 Sibachu was was fouled for a penalty, and Ben Arthur stepped up, and it was a real cool penalty, really coolly struck. Um, so a goal on debut, um, a few nice little tricks and and pieces of skill. Um, it's it's what every Ren fan would have wanted to see from him. Um, and now all we say is that we now want to see that more often. Um, but it's a, it's a great start. It's been it's been six years since Ren were in in Europe. So a win is a win. It wasn't the prettiest of wins, but you know there's two very memorable moments to take from that. So it's uh, it's a really good start. Yeah, I think you would take the three points every night of the week. That's the important bit more than anything. Um, we can now welcome Jeremy Smith into proceedings. And great to have you on, Jez, even if it is a little bit later on this evening. But let's talk about Marseille this evening, at least. A bit of a disappointing result in the end against Eintracht Frankfurt, losing 2-1. Um, especially when they, the opponents go down to 10 men when you're playing at the Stade Velodrome. Uh, Surely we expected a little bit more from Marseille this evening to, to show the depth in squad, but instead maybe did they have two two eyes on the on the game at, um, in Lyon on Sunday night? Uh, I mean, it's possible, but it's you know it's a pretty strong team that they fielded. Um, I'd say more or less a, a full strength squad based on on the, what they've got available at the moment. Maybe a couple of surprises like. Um, Coletta Sarr in in defence and you know, it's it's tough for them that, that Rami went off injured after only seven minutes. But um, you know, with the with the team they put out, um, you'd still expect them at home in front of the Velodrome crowd with the lead, with the man advantage, um, to to you know carry it through to the win. And yeah, that you know it's a the fact that it's a group stage obviously means that they have other chances, but you want to set your stall out, especially when, you, you know, it's, I think, a big advantage to, to start off with a, with a home match. You want to get those three points out there, particularly against the probably the, the, the next strongest team in the group. Um, you know, you want to make a statement there. And now um, they can't afford probably any mistakes. They're going to have to play possibly stronger uh, lineups in matches where, Know, if they had that three three point cushion, they might have rested a couple of the, the first teamers. So it's not an ideal situation, and obviously, sort of um, morale wise, it's it's 
not the ideal preparation for, for this weekend. No, no, especially with the high of the opponents, really. I bet um, Leon are going to come up there with a with some gusto, no doubt about that. Uh, Rich, the other disappointing result tonight is Bordeaux's uh, relatively tame result against Slavia Prague, who won 1-0 on the night. <laughs> Real disappointing result. We, we mentioned on, on Monday how important it would be for them to get off to a good start given the fact that the more favoured teams in Copenhagen and Zenit are, are playing each other and uh, luckily in a way at least anyway they drew um, but we're having reports from Adam this evening as well saying how how poor they were they were completely outplayed by a side um, and no disrespect to Czech football but uh, really are maybe a, a step or two below really where Bordeaux should be um, and some of the players not really looking interested, incredibly disappointing result uh, and performance as well. Um, given that Bordeaux maybe looked like they were turning a corner, are you a little bit worried that this evening's sort of performance may be uh, two steps forward, well, one step forward and even two steps back? It was curious because you looked at the starting eleven, and it was a pretty, pretty strong eleven for Bordeaux. Um, you know, perhaps arguably one or two players aside, it was pretty much the first choice eleven. Um, but it's it's I mean it's yet another very disappointing performance. It's yet another and yet another Bordeaux game where too many players just haven't turned up, haven't looked bothered. Um, you could perhaps make a claim: Have they got an eye on what is already looking like to potentially to be a very important game? At the weekend, um, maybe um, Bordeaux are a team that seem to historically um, go along with the theory of too many French teams um, spend all season qualifying for Europe to then not bother with Europe because they want to concentrate on qualifying for Europe again. And and Bordeaux seem to be the sort of poster team for that. Um, you thought when you saw the starting 11, oh, actually, you know what? They're going to perhaps give it a go this season. And and then the, like that is put in. And you think, yeah, we really have gone backwards here. Um, you almost get to the point now of, well, you know, if they're fielding their starting 11 and losing away at, at Slavia Prague, and, and we're, not, we're, not to, we're not doing Slavia Prague any injustice here, but, you know, it was a game that you thought Bordeaux could at least get a point, at the very least. And they've, fallen flat and fallen flat quite miserably you just think well don't bother playing you don't bother playing your, your, your first 11 put you know, put the kids in so to speak and 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 let your first 11 concentrate on getting some league form back because you know performances like this are doing absolutely no one any good at all um, and when you've got a very important game coming up for the weekend all you've done is not the confidence further in the team um, it's not brought anybody on. It's not brought anyone into form or back into form in the slightest. Um, you've effectively caused more problems <laughs> by seeing a performance like that. Yeah, it's a slightly worrying one for Le Girondin. Like you say, that perpetual motion of wanting to get into Europe and then ending up getting there and then realising maybe you don't want to be in Europe this season, but you'd like to qualify again and then... then it, uh, Never seems to stop moving around, at least anyway. But on to matters in Liga. Now we've put the uh, European games behind us for this week, at least. Uh, and some interesting games this weekend, but we're only going to focus on two this evening. And let's start with uh, the sort of left field one for most of our audience, at least anyway, in, in Rats versus Dijon. Two sides that have had um, 
interesting starts to the season really and we'll we'll start with the home side jersey in 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 Rass, who um we saw come up they lost Rigonato, they lost Sibacho, their two leading goal scorers and assist maker last season in, in League 2. But they've made a real good fist of it. Two early wins, then two defeats, but a nice draw against Nolte that sort of keeps them even keel in the middle of the table, having to a couple of difficult games coming up at least. But at home to Dijon, who were not great away from home last season, is this a chance for them to maybe also show their, their toughness in defence again? Because they've they conceded four against Amiens, but other than that, they've kept three clean sheets out of five so far. For, so they're a tough nut to crack. They are, I think. As, as you said, they, they lost a few important players in the summer, but I, I like the squad that they've put together. For the most part, not many huge stars, but quite a few players who've had okay careers and had experience already in Ligue 1 and have all kind of done a job. And as long they're the kind of players, you know, arguably putting players like that together is a safer bet than a whole team's worth of, of stars who've never played together and you don't know whether they're going to gel. These are all sort of players who you'd expect to, to kind of get their heads down, work hard, and find a way to play together. And I think they're sort of in the image of that. They're not going to pull up any trees this year, they're not going to be. Uh, the, the most exciting team to watch. They're not going to be a need, for example, that's something like 25 goals in, in, in all the matches they've been involved in. Um, but they're going to, I think, for the most part, always going to be hard to beat. And you'll know that you've been in a game when, when you've played them. Um, and as you said, that the record this year is probably more or less how it's going to be um, all season. Win some, lose some. And... This is, on paper, one of those matches that, that they'll look at and, in theory, they'll look at and say, this is the kind of match where we could could get a win, you know, like uh, uni promoted teams do in, in the Premier League. They look at that 40-point barrier, which, or whatever it's been readjusted to nowadays, 38 or 36, I don't know, but that they'll have their points total in mind and they'll do whatever it takes to get to that total. And these are the matches that they'll say, you know, we may well write off matches against the, the top four, the top six, but Dijon on their day can play great stuff, but they can really be got at as well. And they, they're coming off the back of a couple of poor results, so it's, it's a really good chance for, for us to, to take advantage. Yeah, it's an interesting game. This one, Rich, because as Jez mentioned there, well, they've got off good to a, a good start. Uh, Dijon were excellent in the first three games. They were strong. They only conceded one in those three, but then a poor home result against Caen, uh, another poor home result against Angers as well. It feels a little bit like the anti last season, really. They they were really strong at home, but they've, they've had two poor results in a row, but they've had... Um, they had a little breather on it in between as well, but ended up still um, having a poor result against Angers. Does this feel like a game for them that with their gung-ho style, at least of being a bit more attacking, that maybe they'll cause more problems for Rance than, than others have? Or, or do you feel like this is, in essence, a, a kind of game they don't want at this moment in time? They want someone maybe who does attack them a little bit more to get them more into their flow? Um, I think, no, I think this is the kind of game that they'd be looking for. Um, I mean, yeah, that, that home form is a little concerning. You know, they only lost five at home all last season and were five games in and they've already lost two. 
um, and against two teams that you really wouldn't have expected it either, in, in, as you say, Khan and Angers. Um, I mean, Dijon have always been, you know, the, the last couple of seasons that they've been in the top flight, they've always been a team that, that are happy to go forward, that are happy to to score. They've got goal scorers within the team. They've got Julio Tavares, who's a an integral player to, to how they play. They've got Naeem Sleety then, who's a, a skillful player, who's happy to run at players. Um, you know, Wesley Saeed, he's another one that likes to 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 sort of move around and create space when he's when he plays up front. So they have those attacking players. Um they need to make sure that they they retain the, an element of defensive solidity, which has been lost in those last two games. Um, you know, they've conceded five in those two games, whereas they'd only conceded um I think they'd only conceded one in the opening three games. Um but I think this is again, you know, they'll they'll have an eye on the, the following week. Then they're at home to Leon, which you know it, it won't be an easy game. Um, so it, it, yeah, I think this is going to be a game that that it's it's. I don't think it's. I think it's going to be one of those good games. I think where there's going to be goals, but for some reason I don't think it's going to be a particularly pretty game. Um, I think it's going to be quite scrappy. I don't think it's necessarily going to be particularly high quality, but almost because of that. I think that we, we will see goals in this game. I think which is right that um, they're so they're so good going forward and got such talented attacking players. But if anything, you know, as a neutral is fantastic, but maybe at some sometimes they need to rein it in a little bit because last year they were they was you know, very well known for being really strong at home and quite poor away. This season so far, they've got two away wins, both impressive. Montpellier, which isn't always easy to, to come away from a win with, and a 4 0 win at Nice. Um, and then they've lost their last two at home. So, you know, they might be thinking, we're at home, the onus is on us to attack, let's go all out. Um, possibly um, they need to sort of just know when to kind of stick um, and, yeah, just sort of occasionally apply the brakes it feels like they don't know where the brakes are sometimes at Dijon much like much like some some other teams in in the likes of Nîmes as well but uh, um, it will be a fascinating game to see which of the sort of forces ends up buckling first really more than anything but let's go for score predictions um, Rich I'll start with yourself what do you think will happen uh, I think two all in this I say I think there's going to be goals don't think it's going to be high quality pretty scrappy but yeah, goal, goals and a two-all draw I'd go with. Jess? I'll contradict most of what I just said and say that Dijon is a 2-1 win. Yeah, I, I think a 2-0 win for Dijon sounds a little bit fair, to be fair. The, the Rats are not quite good enough going forward. I just don't think they'll they'll maybe grab a goal, but Dijon's relentless kind of pressure may, may eventually tell. On to the big game this weekend then and it involves two sides obviously who were in European action in Lyon and Marseille and it, it feels like a strange one really and we'll start with Lyon with yourself Jez um, because it feels a lot stranger than it might have been even sort of last week really where Lyon haven't had the greatest start to the season really they, they've won twice they've drawn twice and, and they've lost one um, obviously to, to Nisa, oh, sorry lost two sorry and, and drawn one um, it's not been the greatest start for them given that they've got a, a big gap now between them and Marseille, which makes this game even more important. But then midweek, they get exactly the kind of result they want, which a big win against Manchester City, which is everyone done expected. But at the same time, this 
Leon team, much like they did last season, they always seem to play up to the big teams, don't they? And, and this is an example of a game where, again, a big team comes to town and, and we probably expect Leon to pick up their game again. That, that's been the difference between Leon and Marseille, I think, the last couple of years, that Leon do raise their game against the bigger teams. You know, the last, last season, they arguably, they certainly outplayed PSP once, arguably twice, and then came, came away with one win. And um, they do seem to have those players that, that sort of um, turn up to the big occasions, whereas Marseille occasionally go missing. But yeah, I guess like, I don't know, 26 hours ago, <laughs> you just said Leon in disarray. Marseille were coming off the back of a, a really good second half of the weekend against Mines Gone Blank, whoever got some gag on. And you just thought that the two teams, they're certainly the ones with their tails up, but and Marseille slipped that disappointing uh, defeat tonight, and Lyon had the fantastic win yesterday. So, in theory, you'd have thought that it's it's now Lyon going to it, into the match brimming with confidence. Um, I guess the, the the main worry is obviously first of all, can they string it together for for two matches in a row, which they don't always seem capable of doing, and also how much will last night have taken out of them? Um, I guess uh, mentally as well as physically. Um, I think. It should help them that, that they're at home and they'll have the, the crowd pushing them on, especially that you can Im- imagine that they're going to get a really good reception when they arrive after, after their exploits yesterday. Um, and you hope that you know, players like Fekir, Aruan, and Dombele, who um, arguably haven't, haven't turned up at all so far this season until last night, now that they've done that, now that they've got their sort of statement performance for the new season, that they'll they'll sort of run with that. If they don't, then um, at the same time, Marseille is certainly going to be looking to to, um, to upset them. And, you know, it's become such a poisonous match over the last the last few years. And it possibly it will be to the benefit of both teams that there hasn't been that much build-up to the match because it follows a, a European week. Um, I think the last couple of seasons, it's almost got a little bit too far with the, with the media to blame as much as um, Olas and Evo and all the rest of them. Um, you know, I think even over the summer, there were a couple of bust-ups. Um, so, you know, they're certainly not the best of friends and they'll both be, you know, really intent on, on getting one over on the others. And it's very hard to, to see what, what way it's going to go because both teams seem so schizophrenic and they've both proved it one way and the other each over the last four, four days. And it's going to be interesting because, ironically, the, the, the sort of polar opposite is for Marseille where they were tremendous in the league. Rich, they've got that monkey off their back against Monaco and they they eventually got the win against Gangon, but they weren't great in the first half, but the second half had some tremendous goals if you've not already seen them do check them out because there's some absolute pearlers in that one but then they also then and bad goalkeeping yes yeah (laughs) we always have to take a little bit of a shine off of it don't we (laughs) but uh, at the same time Rich then they have that poor result tonight that kind of sours things a little bit again and the question comes again now they've got a big away game against a, a top four side this is another statement that if Marseille do win um, it's really putting the cat amongst the pigeons for them, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's a it's a pretty difficult one to call, really, because yes, 
it was a you know brilliant to, that they could finally beat a top four team um, uh, when they got that win at Monaco. Um, and yes, the second half against Gangon was full of a lot of very good football. Um, but also you have to counter that with, well, two horrible defensive mistakes allowed Monaco back into that game. They were awful in the first half against Gangon. They were pretty dreadful tonight. There was another error that, you know, another Marseille error that led to a, a, an opposition goal. Um, you know, they need to make sure that for all the, the wonderful attacking football that they produce with the with the likes of Tova and with the likes of Paye, that they're not shooting themselves in the foot by doing these stupid, stupid, needless mistakes where there's a lack of concentration or a lack of quality at the back, um, which results in letting teams in and, and, and you know, letting them off the hook after, you know, sustained bit of bit of Marseille pressure. Um, this is going to be an acid test for their season. You know, have they learned have they learned the lessons from that Monaco game? They got the win, yes, but it was perhaps a lot tighter than it should have been because of Marseille's own errors. If they've learned lessons from that game and can carry it into this game, um, then I think we're we're set up for a really, really good game. Um, as it is, I think the momentum is obviously at the moment with with Lyon. They're at home, they've had a you know fantastic midweek performance. Um They've got players who are playing well throughout the team, not just in attack. Um, so it's, 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 I think it's going to be a tough one to call. It really does depend on what lessons Marseille have learned, perhaps arguably over all three of their last, the, the last three of their games, um, because I think there's a lot that they can take from that. And maybe the two win, maybe the Monaco win and the, Mar uh, the Gangart win, perhaps gloss over those slightly. So as long as Rudy Garcia has really sat down and analysed, OK, we got the win, but there's a lot of work still to do with this team and there's a lot of work that needs to be done to really get rid of those silly, silly errors. Um, because if they can do, then, you know what, they can beat top four teams regularly. And, you know, just holding on for a for a, a top four sp uh, top four spot... Well, actually, you know what? It's going to be that they're going to be pushing third a lot more. They're going to be pushing second a lot more. Um, you know, the, the more the, as long you know, as further into this this project at Marseille we go, the more it is starting to evolve. And gradually, they're perhaps not signing the players as quickly as they perhaps could be. But gradually, they are bringing in the right kind of players. And maybe to tie it back to PSG, it's a lesson PSG can learn. Because bit by bit, they are buying the players. They obviously can't buy them perhaps as freely as, as PSG can, but they are bringing in the players that they need. They they identified a couple of problem areas um, in the summer, and 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 they seem you know they 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 put it right. There's still some problem areas in the team, um, but bit by bit they're getting there. Um, now it's the biggest one. It's it's that mental thing, and and that win over Monaco will have been a huge huge monkey off their back, as you say, um, but it will count for nothing if they don't take the lessons that they need to learn from that into this game. Um, if they do, they will cause Leon a lot of problems. If they don't, then it, it probably will be quite an easy, straightforward win, I think, for Leon. I think in a sense that um, Torvan is sort of in the image of Marseille at the moment. It was interesting when he scored his double the other day. Um, 
there's a, a big Marseille fan, you know, Trez on Twitter said it's amazing, uh, you know, with his amazing scoring record the last, the last um, well, just over a season or so, um, how many, how often Tova scores to mask a really bad performance. And I think that's sometimes the case of Marseille, that they, they don't necessarily play well, but two or three sort of moments of genius um, pull them through. And inevitably, that's harder to do against the other top teams. So, you know, maybe that's what's holding Torvan back from getting more game time for France as well. Maybe it's what's holding Marseille back from breaking into the into the top three. But you know, you you can feel that they're really on the cusp of it, and this is a massive match to make the statement as much as anything else. If you know a win would put them six points clear of Lyon, a defeat, and they're back to to level points despite Lyon's bad start to the season. So. There's such an incentive here for Marseille, so I think they will be up for it. But as Rich said, it just depends on they can put it all together throughout the team for 90 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fascinating one for both of them because the result will matter so much to whoever can get it um, because it will make a massive difference to Marseille to, to have such a big gap and Leon absolutely must kind of have to get the result that they need or otherwise they they might be too far behind to, to even catch them but at the same time there's a long way to go but we'll wait and see predictions then and I'll start with you this time Jez what do you think uh, I'm going to go to I think it will be high scoring I can see one brilliant goal and one mistake from each side Rich? Um, I too think it will be a draw. I think it will be even more entertaining for the neutral, though. I'm going to be slightly bolder and go for a three-all draw. Yeah, I think you definitely have to tune into this one. There's, there's almost a guarantee that goals will happen in this one, but if anyone can win, I think you're going for a draw as well. I think a 2-2 two -two sounds about right to myself as well. That's all that we have for this evening. My thanks to Jess. And Rich, and of course, all of you listening at home. Uh, we'll be back with the main show on Monday. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.